Beyond the Level podcast is brought to you by tinyhomes.com, focused on consumer protection for people and companies within the world of tiny homes. For more information, contact us at support at tinyhomes.com. Hi guys, welcome to episode seven. If you've been listening, we are on a bit of a series of talking about problems within the tiny home space. We have, help me out here, Kenny, we've first um, in the series was episode four, and that was scams, outright scams. Then we talked about when buying a used home, what to look out for. Then the next episode, the this past episode was new builds. And now... And new builds relative to just sort yes, of the recreational vehicle, the tiny home on wheels, and right. what that looks like. And there's these other lanes we can get into. This series has been pretty specific to a tiny house on wheels that fits into the park model RV lane currently. It's kind of what we've been talking about. Right. For and the we, most part. And we say park model RV, and that's, I mean, that is that one is misleading within the <laughs> recreational vehicle. We won't get into the other elements, but just know, I mean, let's just say tiny, tiny house home on wheels. wheels. However yeah. that... However you class it. What is it? So, thou, so, tiny house on wheels? <laughs> <laughs> how do you say that? Uh, you tell me, I'll, I'll, yeah, how do you say it? T-H-O-W is the acronym yeah. for it. But anyways. Uh, yeah. This episode. How do you say it? Let's see how you say it. A thou. So? <laughs> they don't say that. I think the other people what do, you do say? write tiny house on wheels. I don't I say tiny house on wheels. But you do see that thrown around. Like you do. The, I guess you don't hear it as much as you Sounds see it. Sounds goofy. I mean, <laughs> Sounds I don't so that. weird. Anyway, that T H O W, Tiny House on Wheels, is kind of what we've been specifically talking about in this series. Yeah. And now we're talking about when someone is looking to DIY, build their own tiny home, and then when they're looking to then sell that home. What you need to think about when you're building the yeah. home um, in order to be able to sell it in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So again, our focus on this podcast is around buying tiny homes and what that looks like. We're in that tighter lane for our Yeah, we're listeners. not talking about the li- living in right? We don't focus as much on like, we have a lot to say about <laughs> living in tiny homes, but we let, we'll let the other podcasts focus on that. What we're focused on is like as a consumer or as someone who's building tiny home well, what are all that so when you're looking to buy and sell a tiny home what are all the elements of it so within this diy lane we've seen some things that have come up as that person is looking to sell their tiny home or the consumer is looking to buy that tiny home what sort of like things we've seen right as we've gone and done assessments or we've looked on facebook or we've talked to consumers sellers we've seen a lot of issues that have sort of come up and sort of knowing that. So if you're going down the lane, okay, I'm looking to buy a tiny home, right? What, what do you think about, right? I mean, there's a lot to think about. I mean, I think one is like cost, right? I think a lot of people, as I start going down this lane, I realize how much we could talk about all this stuff. So are we talking about, in this episode, are we talking about um, what someone who's building a tiny home 
needs to think about if they're wanting to sell it? Or are we talking about a seller looking to buy a tiny home that someone has DIY'd? Or are we talking about both? I think I want to focus on the idea that I am looking to build a tiny home by myself. Or tiny, I'm a DIYer. I want to build a tiny home. But I ultimately want to be in a position that I can sell my tiny home in the future. What things do you want to consider to make it easier to sell? So I guess sort of... I think maybe the controversial opinion here is or when someone is looking to DIY home with the intent that they want to sell it, they're probably looking at it as an investment, right? I don't know if they are. And I don't necessarily even say that like people are necessarily going into it. What we found is people go into a tiny home build with one intention and then and then that changes it shifts so i think it's like the idea regardless of your intent so like you're you go into it thinking i'm gonna live in this thing forever i have no reason to sell it ever i don't care about any of those things that like that might shift and consider like regardless of how you go into it go into it planning if indeed i have to sell this thing how am i going to protect myself or how am I going to actualize the most amount of value with this home? If I need to sell it in the future, what is the person on the other side that's buying this home? What are they looking for? And what is the like realistic expectation going into it? Okay, so let's talk about that. What are the things, first steps? First step. So I think what happens is we see people go, okay, I want to build a tiny home. So one is, okay, you want to build a tiny home. What is your skill set? What is your, you know, what are you... What are you able to do and what are you able to do safely? So be realistic about what it is. And then be try to be realistic with the time frame. How much time are you willing to put into this? One of the things we see is people mm-hmm. don't want to value their time. I value my time and I hope you do too. Some people don't put a price on that and I know that it can be hard. But I think that time is time. And so it's like, okay, I like to break it down to like actual hours. When I've built homes, I you know, I have... When we built up one tiny home, we were in, you know, me and one other person, like each about a thousand hours, a little tiny home in the backyard. That's a basically a modified sleeper cabin shed, 300, a tree house, 300, another a thousand. So I kind of break so it go, down. So hours. go into like a thousand hours. Like, what does that mean in like terms of like days or weeks or months? Like, what does a thousand hours mean? That's what I like to break it down because who knows? Who knows? Okay. I don't. That's why I talk about not weeks because that's a nebulous right. term. I talk about hours because which could mean it depends on how much time you have to dedicate each week. You could have three yeah. hours and a thousand hours. That's why I like to break things down. Yeah. Okay, if, okay. Are yeah. you willing to put two thousand hours into that? And are you willing to do that over the next two years, four years? What's your realistic budget? Do you need to be paid up front for your labor? Do you think you're going to be paid in the future for your labor? That may or may not be the case, you know, most likely if you're building a tiny home, you're going to have, unless you have a customer buying it and preset price, it's hard to back out your labor, at least at some reasonable labor rate, unless you're willing to work for pretty cheap. So I think it's being, one is set up with expectation, right? So it's, do you have a location to safely build it? It, it, Are you, what's the weather like? What is the, what are those barriers going to be like for you? So if you're outside Heat is an issue, cold is an issue, rain's an issue, obviously. You have a lot of barriers. So do you have a covered space to operate in, right? So that allows you – so 
what is the infrastructure that you have in place for yourself, right? Can you just start ratcheting tools at, you know, midnight because your neighbor's okay with that? Or like, so, there's so many different elements. So look, what's your location like? How can you build legally there, right? What's your budget? What's your time frame? How do you sort of safely do it? What is your knowledge of skills? How much commission like labor are you going to have to bring in? Are you willing to tackle specifically electrical and plumbing? Those are two big ones, but all of it's pretty big, right? Are you willing to put the roof on by yourself and frame it by yourself and put the windows and doors in by yourself? And are you willing to sort of deal with the errors along the way? And I think that because that's going to uh, that's going to equate to how much you're going to be able to sell it for and value and the trust that you're going to be able to give to that consumer. So as you go into it, I mean, guess the overall thing is one, take as many pictures at every step as possible. If I'm looking to buy your tiny home from you, I want to see pictures along the entire process. So one of it starts with the trailer, right? We see it so often that people start in tiny home building a tiny home and they start with a trailer that is an absolute piece of junk. Conversely... Or we- even if it's not a piece of junk, like if it doesn't have... If it's a decent trailer, but it doesn't have title, that causes... Great point. So it's either a good trailer, actually structurally, but it doesn't have title. Or it's not set up properly for the amount of weight you're putting on it. So it's a pretty big consideration, which is... Which okay, seems to be something that gets a little bit overlooked, right? It like, gets looked overlooked so often. It's, the idea... This is what I think happens. You, you're going around, oh my gosh, who, what's that trailer up for? And you kind of look at it and you're like... You can build a tiny home on. And if you're cool with like, okay, that trailer is never going to be sold and whatever, but it's like a crappy, it was a crappy trailer 40 years ago and it's still a crappy trailer. And you have no idea the load of the axles. You have no idea. It doesn't have brakes on the axles. The thing is rusting out. It doesn't have a VIN number. It doesn't have a license plate. So and then you start building this home on it. You're basically never going to be able to get a license plate put on that thing. Mm. Right, because it needs to be considered a, and that's a key component. That can to... be a key component if you're going to want to legally halt. Now, you could like maybe get a trip permit or something to get it moved across a town or something as a like a you know that isn't considered a recreational vehicle. But if you ever want a license plate on the thing, it's important that you start with a trailer that has a you know, that has some elements, right? That has been built with a VIN number on it. And so if we're talking about budget, yeah, like an important first thing to budget for would be a trailer. a trailer. But also conversely, what I've seen is people buy a super duper extra burly, burly trailer and they sink a ton of money into their trailer and then they've burned all their money and they have a way overbuilt trailer. So it's both. It's like so building on the garbage on trailer. And then also like you're building on this super high-end trailer and you sunk a bunch of money into me. a trailer that you could have gotten away with a way less trailer. And now you don't have much money to build the house. Build the house. So it's kind of both. It's like being reasonable about what are you. Most people aren't towing their tiny home all over the country. You know, day in and day out. So it's like mostly going to sit in your... It's going to mostly sit in locations. So it's like balancing like... Yeah. I think, yeah, it's finding a, a good enough trailer that has a title, but it doesn't need to travel it, thousands of miles every single day. Yeah. And so the idea is how are you going to do it? I mean, honestly, you know, DIY, you're either going down the process of getting it sort of acknowledged and certified as a 
a recreational vehicle, right? You're going down that process, right? Either through the state, either the state is doing that for you throughout the build process. So if you're a DIYer and you're in the state of Washington, you're going to them and trying to, they're going to give you, basically they're going to recognize that as an RV at the end of the process, mm-hmm. or you're working with a NOAA or an RVIA to help you through that process. And I do think they are very, for the DIYer, I think they're sort of, can be very valuable. I think NOAA in particular is very well suited. The RVIA is sort of this membership program, both are membership programs, but it's a bit more expensive and it works when you're at scale. Yeah, an RVIA is... We've talked about this before, but it's it's RVs and, and tiny homes are a little bit mis. Yeah, and Noah is RV too. Right. They're certifying you as an RV, but they are a smaller scale company Slightly that's focused different. on alternative housing. RV yeah. RVAA is not really focused on that. You have to spend more money up front. You have to spend five thousand dollars, but then they give you that's a sort bunch of, of stickers. Like RVAA is yeah more for a mass. Builder that specifically for if you're looking to build 15 RAs, or 20 homes, RV. RVIA might be something that's con- that you might consider. If you're looking to build a one-off home and you need support or you don't need support, I think that NOAA is an awesome solution for their costs that they might charge you for the. You know, I don't know the exact number, but let's say throughout the process you're paying them $1,500 to help you through the build. Yeah. I think they're going to be able to give you a ton of advice and resources and you're going to be able to have some kind of a verifiable sticker at the end of it. There's some value in there. A huge value. They're going to value, they're going to help you validate the trailer and make sure that everything's set up. And I think also what you just said, the support is very valuable too. Like there's some checks and balances along the way that they can help with. This is the important part. Yeah. If indeed you want your home, if you want to go in and actually have your home licensed when the state goes to look at that thing they have to consider it a recreational vehicle so you have to do that process when you so you have to work with no or rvia going into it or if you don't care about that and you just want the trailer to be recognized as a flatbed trailer with a load on it then you don't need to go through that process Right, so that's a fine way to do it, but you have to first license and get everything taken care of with the trailer. So the flatbed trailer has a license plate on it. It has all of those elements. Now it's just considered a flatbed trailer with a load on it. It is amazing how many kind of going back to our previous episodes. How many of the you know the used or the um, Facebook ones that the the trailers? That's the core issue. It's, and it's doesn't, yeah, either doesn't have a license or it's, you know, and I can see, you know, it's like, that's a very important part. Do you want to go down the lane? And I'm actually not in one camp or the other. I actually am, you know, okay with both camps. <laughs> I, I see reasons for both elements, but you want to make sure you do not put your, even if you have it, even if you have a trailer that hasn't gotten inspected yet or whatever, that and you're trying to get that thing going through the state and you have this big load on it and you have to, we've seen so many times that someone's trying to get a trailer pass through and literally it doesn't have a VIN so you have to go through the state to get it done and there's just so many hassles you want to make sure you have a valid VIN that that thing is either considered a flatbed trailer and that's how the state sees it and that's how the licensing is and then it just has a load on it or you're going down the lane of okay I want this to be recognized as an RV so if you ever have to you know if there's ever inspections where that's how it's considered 
So I think that's where it starts with sort of that trailer. And then you get into so many more elements of detailing of like, what are you looking for in that home? So when you go to buy, so regardless of that, I think the NOAA certification, like if I'm going to buy your tiny home, I'm going to like to see that you have RVIA or NOAA, but I'm also going to know enough to know what does that do and what does right. that not do. So what I'm going to start asking you when I know, let's say you show me a house, you got it approved through NOAA. I'm going to be like, great. You know what I'm going to ask you? I want to see pictures of your roof assembly. Right. I want to see the pictures of the underlayment. I want to see the framing pattern. I want to see how exactly that's configured. I want to know the manufacturer of that system. I want to see the wall paneling. I'm going to focus on the structural elements because... So I think you're bringing up the good point that you did already bring up. But as you're building, like make sure that you are documenting the process as much as possible. Big time. So there's... Within, if you have a home that's certified through, you know, that hasn't met you, that, you know, like, let's say I'm buying a house that, okay, you went through the NOAA process. That house is, there's egress things that had to be abided by, that have to be met. And even things that you're not doing, like the plumbing, plumbing. like, you know, if you're not doing the plumbing, make sure that you're there when the plumber's doing it and you're taking pictures or have the plumber take pictures. Like, make sure that those things, so that you're not then in a position where it's like, well, I didn't do that. I don't know. Document every turn. So document all the electrical. Document all the plumbing. Where exactly it goes. Take pictures behind the wall at every single turn, every single detail. I mean. It is also important as you're building to do Thousands that of pictures. Too. Thousands of pictures. Like every not day. just for this, but for as you're building so that you know you're not like screwing into a wire or <laughs> yes have your phone on you and take pictures all the time and somehow get those in sections in your that you can you know a recordable database or something that those like here's all the framing pictures and so that you can because it becomes overwhelming really fast but if you're going to sell the home and you have really good documentation of all the elements yeah, that can really gonna help. help so if you're going down the path of hey i'm going to build a, a home Noah's going to help you with a little bit of that, but then if someone knows enough to know what questions to ask, there's also things to consider. And again, Noah's not going to focus as much on the structural elements of things. They're going to focus more on what a recreational vehicle focuses on, which is like egress yeah, and fire, fire safety. So focus on that and then just know like pictures and then be realistic about time frame. What we see so often is people are like, oh, they just don't know enough to know like if you think it's going to take you 100 hours figure 300 hours if you think it's going to cost you a hundred dollars or something budget 300 dollars. so budget way more than you think like don't go into it thinking it's a tiny home is you know you're gonna be able to build something for super duper cheap if you are you're gonna get you're gonna get what you pay for so when when we're going to thinking about selling the home are there any other considerations that someone who's building it needs to think about for potentially selling it? I mean, there's a ton of considerations. I mean, I think it's like how, I think one of the things I'm going to want to know is like, how much weight do you actually have on there? Mm. What is the truth? So one of the ways you go to an actual haul it to a place where you can actually get the actual physical weight and then know what the trailer load capacity is so that I know the ratio. When I'm buying a, you know, look at a time, I'm going to see the ratio is good. So I, if you have a trailer that's, you know, load rated for 15,000 pounds and you have 14,928 pounds on that thing, I don't love that. You know, I'd like to see some spread there. You know, I like to see a trailer that has 15,000 
pound capacity that's hauling 10,000 pounds around. You start packing people in there and other appliances and other stuff, price, you know, that weight goes up pretty fast. So know what your weights are. We see so often that like people have no clue, like, oh, what's your house? What's the, what's the structure weight? What is the rating of the trailer? People don't know. We want to see that spread. I want to see, like, I want to see exactly how it's attached. I want to see that you've used, like, grade 8 bolts. I want to see that, you know, I, I want to see all of those elements, you know. So we've talked a lot about the structure and, like, the foundation, the trailer, and things that you need to know in building. So if you were going to sell the house, what, let's talk about kind of the price. Like, what's the realistic I know this is kind of fool's territory to go into this, but I think that what we have come across is like people that are selling a house that they have. Maybe their their price is a little bit unrealistic. So what 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 are the factors that go into pricing? I mean, again, I think size can be one, right? How much material cost do you have in it? How much time do you have in it? I mean, you could kind of come up with some kind of reasonable price based on that. And then what is the market bear? Where is it located? I think depending on your location, you're going to be able to ask, you're going to be able to get more money because the delivery fees are going to sort of ultimately be subtracted out of that potentially. So, and then it's just hard. I mean, I think like you said, it's just a really hard hard thing. I think what we find is like we said, people ultimately get less than they thought they would get for it. But and I think that that is maybe that's the point I'm trying to come across is like just know that that it's like it's it's a hard thing I think to wrap your head around especially if it's something that you've built yourself and you put a lot of like you know it, it is the labor cost is hard. You put a lot of your like heart and soul into this thing so it's sometimes hard I think for people to wrap around that it's like well I'm not going to maybe necessarily get the price that I think that this house is worth just knowing that as a concept i think is helpful i do think on the diyer going down the path of having this third party you know sticker on your structure does actually really pay for itself had added the value yeah there are things i don't love about the rvi membership and the NOAA membership and but i do think for the diyer and your ability to resell it and give that consumer some level of protection and ability to bring it to RV parks and potentially have easier time getting insurance and lots of just this oversight. It gives you that sort of reassurance that there's some level of fire safety met in particular NOAA because they oversee that process like the entire time. So like, And I think as we're going down this road of hopefully and potentially there being more checks and balances in the tiny home space that as much whatever you can do to protect yourself or document that you've taken steps to try what does he say just try just try i mean try you know i also think honestly one of the things i like to see is this proof like what if i'm buying a house i want to see that it's actually like it living there being a living lab actually has value to me Mm. So someone that's actually, that's what I mean for me. And I'm, you know, I feel like I asked. That is a good point. Cause I feel like some of the ones that we have seen haven't had that. And you know me, I'm focused. Like I'm a fanatical about roofs. Cause I feel like the roofs and trailers, right. It's like the foundation and the top of you. Like <laughs> I see them. I want to like, to me, it's like 
do you have staining? Is there staining in the roof? Is there any reason you think that there's any, you know, like after two years, you're going to know if the house isn't breathing right. Potentially, you're going to see condensation. Is there mold buildup? Do you have proper venting? How has it been operating, right? You sort of kind of work out some of those bugs uh, that can come up right away. And that also kind of adds to the value, but document some of that. Document that help gives, would give me a reassurance. Like, hey, when I... When we first built it, we had this problem, this problem. We addressed that problem. That's a very good point that I think it's unrealistic to think that there's not going to be problems that arise. So I think that, you know, knowing what the problems are, addressing them and being transparent about it, that only helps you, right? That gives, if I'm buying your home, I'm, that gives me reassurance. I feel like it's, it like, hey, it, it. it leaks here. But this is what it le- was leaking here, that, but this is what I did to fix it. And like those things, because yeah. no, nobody's going to build anything perfect. There's going to be issues and problems that arise. Yeah. And honestly, the other thing is really like, do, I mean, in terms of document, I think what I found is like, you kind of forget some of the things you like, you can't remember how you framed something or you can't remember, oh, wait, what did I do there? What did I do there? Like, even for yourself living in the house, right? You forgot. You yeah. sort of like can't remember like, oh my gosh, what did I do? Or how did I do that? Or what? I mean, more pictures, the better in every way, shape or form throughout the entire process that can be looked at and assessed throughout the entire thing with as many people. Like what I like to see is the plumber actually did the plumbing electrical. And I want to see an invoice and a bill. The plumber did, if there's a, I want to see a roofer did, I want to see a warranty. Warranties are third party warranties. If you're going to get the roof done and you can get a third party warranty on it or whatever. I mean, I hone in on those things as well, but like looking at all the details, it's like the details are like, that's what the rubber meets the road and the detailing. And like, if I can, if you can see that, I think it gives that consumer that confidence to be like, okay, I can buy this, you know. All right. Well, I think that is our discussion Sheesh. on the DIY in with potential selling it. So is that our series or what do we have next? I think we want to dig into a couple of things. I think we want to dig into a little bit about the... I think there's this idea around modular home building and what that looks like i have been finding that the modular home term is getting misused and that people want to use it for everything and they want to call everything a modular home and that builders want to say oh this is a modular home and it's like i don't know if that is a modular home are you certified as a modular builder in that state did it get overseen as a from the state what does that mean so i think i want to i want to get away from we've been talking a lot about the tiny home on wheels Okay, so we've we've done the tiny home on wheels, sort of the pro, and obviously there's more, and I'm sure we'll come up with more th- things to talk about in that space. But that the last past couple of episodes have been about the tiny home on wheels, and so now we're gonna our next episode, we are shifting into more of the modular home space. I think we want to discuss maybe some of the problems we've seen within modular homes as it relates to tiny homes and what we've seen kind of in kin with this, which is like, what are sort of the, what are some of the pitfalls and issues we're seeing within that modular space? And then I also think we had have a good podcast around the manufacturing space as well. And what's the difference? All right. Well, if you are interested in that, stay tuned for episode eight.
that would be episode eight. Um, so stay tuned and thanks for listening. Thank you. Beyond the Level podcast is brought to you by tinyhomes.com, focused on consumer protection for people and companies within the world of tiny homes. For more information, contact us at support at tinyhomes.com.